welcome to everyone this morning. And if you're a guest with us today, we are thrilled to have you with us today. To all of you that are joining us online, we welcome you this morning wherever you may be joining us from. Amen. Daniel chapter 3, and I'm going to read a bunch of verses. So I've made this deal many, many times before. If you'll stand while I read all my verses, I'll keep standing when you sit down. So is that a deal? Daniel chapter 3, verse number 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. Other translations say that was basically 90 feet high, tall by nine feet wide. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to, get, to, come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. I think that meant he invited everybody. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the prince provinces were gathered together under the dedication. So basically what he did in verse 2 happened in verse 3. Verse 4, a herald, then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. This is a completely different topic for another day, but what you listen to really does matter. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at the time when all the people heard the sound of all those instruments, wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews, they spake and said to Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of all the instruments, and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews. Notice it says certain Jews, because there were other Jews. So that means that there were other Jews that knew better who still bowed. Be careful when you make your decisions on what you're doing based on what all Christians are doing. There may be some who bow, but there better be certain Christians that no matter what society says or does, you still stand because you're not worshiping the gods of this world. You're worshiping the one true and the only living God. Certain Jews, certain Jews, certain Jews, there it is. Certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That kind of sounds like being salt and light to me. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the instruments, 
If you worship not, you will be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Notice that in the other references, it's a little G God. But in this reference, it's a big G God because it is the God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not worried about this. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. That's awesome. That's great. But that's where too many people stop. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Our God can deliver us. And one way or the other, he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, we still will not kind of torn between two titles this morning I, I, I really kind of want to go with simply this but if not but I want to preach to you this morning beyond faith to trust beyond faith to trust Father thank you so much for your presence that we feel in this place today thank you for this opportunity you've given us again to gather together in your presence First and foremost, to worship and exalt you, your name that is above every other name. What a privilege and an honor it is, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity not only to worship, but also to receive from you today. And God, I believe that you have already been ministering. You've already been touching some hearts and lives in this place. So again today, Father, I pray that through your word you would speak, you would minister that we would have ears to hear what you would desire to say to us today. I trust you this morning, Lord, that you would allow me to be a messenger to deliver a message from you. I trust you. I depend on you today. I acknowledge, Lord, that without you, I can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We know. We have confidence. These were, these were Jewish young men. They knew their history. They knew about the great deliverances that God had brought to their people in the past. They no doubt knew well the story of the children of Israel being miraculously delivered from Egypt walking through the waters of the Red Sea on dry ground and then watching Pharaoh's army be swallowed up, knowing that God then provided 40 years miraculously in the wilderness day after day when they had nothing to eat or nothing to drink and 
No doubt they knew well the story of them coming again to the Jordan River at the time of crossing it and watching once again as a body of water parted and they walked through another body of water and then they, they encountered Jericho and the battle of Jericho and the stories of the children of Israel marching around six days for one time and then on the seventh day marching around that city seven times and then giving a shout of praise and worship and walls of a city falling unexplainably. They knew all of that. And so I believe it is it was with that knowledge and 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 those stories that they said to Nebuchadnezzar that day, our God can deliver us. You think we're intimidated by your threats and your fiery furnace. Our God can deliver us. We know what our God can do. We believe in His, in His power and His ability. But I've come to tell you today, God is not your genie in a bottle. God is not waiting on you for your three wishes and whatever you want, He's gonna grant it. God's not your lottery ticket to get you to a new life. God's not your credit card to swipe just to get you out of a jam when you don't have the resources. There is no doubt in what God can do. And I declare to you today with absolute confidence, anything He did in this book, He can do again today. Whatever the miracles you read about in this book, I believe with all of my heart He can do the same today. This is not intended to simply be a historical account of what God did. It's intended to build our faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. When you hear or read this book, there ought to be something that rises up inside that says, I believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you open blinded eyes, then you can open blind eyes now. If you unstop deaf ears then, you can unstop deaf ears now. If you raise the dead then, you can raise the dead now. If you provided miraculously then, you can provide miraculously now. They knew it. They believed it. But they didn't stop there. And too many people, too many Christians stop with verse 17. Because verse 17 is faith. Verse 17 is faith. I know what God, we know our God can deliver us. We know that God has the power to miraculously intervene. That's faith. And everything starts with faith. He that cometh to God must believe. You must believe that He is. That He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek them. Seek Him. I just quoted it a moment ago. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. It all starts with faith. But we stop too many times at faith. Because faith is confidence in what God can do. Faith is confidence in what God can do. But the problem is you need more than just faith. 
You need trust. Because faith is confidence in His power and His ability, but trust is confidence in His character. Faith is the confidence that He's done it before, He can do it again. That's what faith is. But trust is a confidence in His nature, His character. It's a confidence in who He is. And there are so many people that have become and are become disillusioned. And I would venture to say there's, there's people in this sanctuary this morning that you are even struggling in your faith and your walk with God because you have had faith but you have struggled with trust. There's got to be a response that says, I know what God can do. I know what God has the power and the ability to do. But if not, my worship and not bowing is not dependent upon God doing what I want Him to do. My worship and not bowing is still going to be the case, even if God doesn't do what I want Him to do. Oh, Jesus. Job. Job was a man, I think, unlike pretty much any other man. The very first verse of the book of Job tells us that Job was, he was perfect and upright. Most of the time, I didn't actually look it up, so I, I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the context of what's being said here, most of the time when you read the word perfect in the Bible, it's not perfect in the sense of flawless. It, 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 it means more so completeness. But I, I'm pretty sure in the context of this verse with Job, it was saying he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was the man. He was flawless. He was perfect and upright the the message bible says he was he was honest inside and out a man of his word who was totally devoted to god and hated evil with a passion new living translation says he was blameless not just it doesn't just say he was a man of integrity it says that he was a man of complete integrity. I, I believe I have integrity, but I don't know that I could stand here and tell you today that I have complete integrity. I, I got some flaws. I, I, I've made some mistakes. But Job was, Job was perfect and upright. Therefore, if any person ever deserved a pain-free, problem-free life. It was Job. If anybody had ever earned it and deserved it, it was Job. If anybody had a right to expect everything in their life to go perfectly, it was Job. He was perfect and upright. And yet in one single day, his world is absolutely turned upside down. He was a wealthy man and in one day he lost all of those possessions 
And much more tragically, in one day, he lost seven sons and three daughters. One single accident. I am sorry, but I am not preaching to people this morning that are perfect and upright. And the guy preaching is not perfect and upright. So if Job couldn't get through life without heartache and pain, disappointment and tragedy, why in the world would I ever think that somehow I have a right to go through this life with everything being just right and no problems and no issues and no pain in my body, no disappointment, no abuse, no... Listen to what he says. The man who had a right, if anybody did, to expect that. And, and, and it wasn't just at the beginning, but it's, it's part way through the book of Job. In Job chapter 13, Job says this. Though he slay me, not yet will I have faith in him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Oh, it's one thing just to have faith in God. But it's a whole different thing when you can go beyond faith and say, you know what, I trust Him. If He does it, I trust Him. If He doesn't do it, I trust Him. If He answers my prayers the way I pray them, I trust Him. If He doesn't answer my prayers the way I pray them, I trust Him. People disillusioned and struggling with their faith in God because God is not doing what you think He should have done. Who died and made you God? What's really sad is when we ignore the fact that we're all humans that are flawed and somehow we still think God owes us. We know what God can do, but if not, the Bible tells the story of a young man that came to Jesus and he, you know, what, what, Lord, what do I have to do to have eternal life? You know what that was? It was faith. He came to Jesus with faith that Jesus had the answer. I know where to go to get the answer. So he goes and he says, what, what do I need to do? And the Lord responds. His first response is, well, you, you, you need to keep the commandments. He lists a few of them and the young man responds and says, I, I've done all that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not Job, but hear me out. Don't jump to conclusions of what you think I'm saying because it's not what I'm saying. So hear me out. I, I, I'm not perfect and upright, but, but I've been born and raised in church. I never backslid. I never went out for a season. I have never, I've never tried one single cigarette. I, I, have recurring, I have a couple of recurring dreams. One of my recurring dreams is I'm on University of Maryland campus. It's my final exam. I have no idea where my class is, and I don't know what the test is about. Anybody else ever have one like that? 
I, I probably have that a couple times a year. And I have to wake myself up and say, you're done. <laughs> Finished. I, I have another recurring dream, and I, I, don't, I hope I don't offend you with this, but I have another recurring dream that I, that I, 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 I smoked cigarettes. And the, and the point of the dream is this feeling of disappointment that I can now never say. I don't mean that in a self-righteous way. I know that's, that's probably silly for some of you. That's okay. I, I've never smoked a cigarette. I have never done any kind of illegal drugs. I have never drank one drop of alcohol. I was a virgin when I got married. I've been married for 30 years. I have four children by the same wife, my first wife. I have four children by my first wife. <laughs> Seeing if you all are listening. My, my, my parents came to this town in 1970 with $300, I think it was, to their name. It was more back then, but that's still not a lot of money. They built this church. I got, I got all four of my grandparents were preachers. I didn't realize this till recently. I, I, I never, I, somehow I missed the memo that my mom's dad was a licensed preacher. I knew he was preached and him and my grandmother started churches, but I found out, I think just earlier this year, he was actually a licensed. So all four of my grandparents, in fact, three of my four grandparents are ordained preachers. I think my grandmother was, other grandmother. I'm, I have great-grandparents. My grandmother who's here today, her dad was a Pentecostal preacher. My, 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 my dad's side of the family, my grandmother, uh, supposedly one of the first Pentecostal churches that was ever started in northwest Florida, was started in her living room. That's, that's a heritage you know what that makes me worthy of, Matt? You know what that makes me worthy of? Zero. How in the world we ever get it in our heads that we think God owes us? He doesn't owe you anything. You're, you're stealing His breath. How does he owe you anything? The very fact you're here today means you owe him something. Every time you do this, it's an acknowledgement. You owe him something. And I realize there's billions of people that do not acknowledge that. That doesn't change the fact that he is the source of life. I believe. I believe what God can do. I believe that he is the same. But I got to go beyond just believing. So Jesus says, keep all these commandments. Oh, I did all that. I think there was a little bit of uh, cockiness that was starting to rise up. Well, this is going well. I'm all right. For, I'm, uh, okay, I'm good so far. Then he comes back and says, well, there's one thing you need to do. I want you to go sell everything. In one of the passages, I, I, I believe it uses the phrase that he was a rich young ruler. He had some possessions. 
So the Lord then responds and says, I want you to go sell everything you have, and then I want you to take everything you make off of what you sell, and I want you to give it away. And then I want you to come and follow me. And the Bible says, one of the places it says it is Matthew 19 and verse 22. It says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. In the context of this message this morning, he went away sorrowful because he had faith in who Jesus was, but he wasn't willing to trust He wasn't willing to trust him that, you know what, if I go do what you say, it's going to work out all right. Everything's going to be okay in the end. That I don't understand why you want me to do this. I I don't understand why you would ask such a thing of me. But I I trust who you are. I I trust what you are. And I I trust if you want me to do something, it's going to be for my good. But he never got there. Never got there. But Job said, though he slay me. I've said it so many times throughout my ministry. And and, and you know what? Whatever's happening, God didn't do it to you. If you're sick, if you got a disease, God didn't give you that disease. And, and, And most of the time it's true. But the reason I say that and others say that is because we have an issue struggling to trust. That if God actually gave you the sickness, you wouldn't be able to handle that. So what we have to say is God didn't do it, He allowed it. He may have allowed the devil to do it. So so get mad at the devil, but don't get mad at God. But Job said, he went straight to the source. Now, I I don't think Job knew what you and I know now. I don't think Job knew the other side of the story that we know. I, I don't think Job knew that his world fell apart that day because God had confidence in him. Job just... And then his friends come and... And, and they come, and, and I know I, I used to be on the bandwagon that Job's friends were so terrible and horrible because of everything they said. But if you read the reason they came, they came for a good reason. Their humanity got in the way. They, they were speaking from their own natural understanding, but they, they had come to comfort him. What they ended up saying wasn't really comforting, but they came to comfort him. But they also made some assumptions. Well, you, surely the reason all of this has happened, Job, you must have done something to upset God. You, you have made God mad. That's why you've lost everything. So you need to repent. So I don't think Job knew that God said to Satan, Hey, check out Job. Nevertheless, Job says from the very beginning, or in the middle of it, Though he, though God, Slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you understand how absolutely set and solid your walk with God is? If you can reach the place to trust that even if God does it to you, 
even if God causes your pain, though He slay me, not yet will I have faith in Him, yet will I trust Him. In my 50 years of life and probably in the last 30 plus years or so, since I've been an adult and more observant, more involved, I've watched so many people come through the doors of this church. Baptized in Jesus' name. Get filled with the Holy, the real Holy Ghost. They got the real deal. But they're no longer around anymore because they had faith. You can't get the Holy Ghost without faith. They had faith, but they weren't willing to go beyond faith to trust Him. I think when you get saved, it's kind of like a fisherman fishing with a rod and reel. God throws some bait out there. And He lets you nibble around. I've only been fishing a few times. I'd go more if you would bait the hook and get the fish off, but... It's not, it's not really about the waiting and the sitting part. That, I, I mean, that, that doesn't totally bother me. It's, it's the touching that stuff. There's a few things in life, if that's what's required to truly be a man, I ain't got no hope. I'm not picking up no snakes. I'm not grabbing no fish. I've often thought we got, we got kayaks last year and out in the creek and area where we live, you know, every now and then you see a fish jumping. And I, the thought has crossed my mind a couple of times. What's going to happen? If a fish jumps, obviously the simplest thing if a fish jumped in the kayak would be to grab the fish and throw it out of the boat. I can't swim. I wear a life jacket. I hate going underwater. Only time my head goes underwater is in the shower. Otherwise, it does not go underwater. But I got a feeling my solution would be me to get out of the kayak. It's yours. Have at it. Enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know that I've really fished enough to truly have experienced this, but I've, 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 I've heard it enough that, you know, a fish can maybe nibble on the bait some. Sometimes you reel it in and find out your bait's gone because that fish was able what it, what it, I, I don't think it was necessarily in the context of rod and reel because they were doing it more so with nets. But what did Jesus call the disciples to become? Fishers of men. You know what? There's a lot of people that are successful at nibbling at the bait but never biting. If I've heard it once, I've heard it dozens of times in my years of pastoring. Guests come and visit service, especially on a Sunday morning, and I will have a chance to meet them afterwards. And I've been told many times, Brother Tommy, wow, I have never, sorry, I've never felt anything like I felt today. And years ago, I would be like, yes, got another one. And now I'm like, great. Because that's just nibbling. A good feeling is just nibbling on the bait. Maybe even shedding some tears because of what you feel is that's just nibbling on the bait. You, you, you got you to gotta bite. 
And, and so I think God is, he, he's the expert fisherman, and he lets you nibble, and then finally when you, you know, boy, this is really good, and you go for that big chomp, and then he just yanks. You're done. And there's usually, you know, kind of like marriage, there's usually a honeymoon experience in your walk with God. Oh, my God, everything is wonderful. You, you just say, oh, it's so awesome. I got the Holy Ghost. I, Ooh, and then finally you come down off that high and you go, wait a minute, I still got no money in my bank account. And still struggling with my wife and kids. And really what's happening is he's saying, okay, now it's time to go to work. Because as has been said numerous times by many others, he loves you just the way you are. But he also loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. And that's a part of where that transition from faith to trust comes in. What, 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 wait a minute. I mean, it's kind of like just the natural, what a, what a, what a uh, life-shattering revelation to begin to learn as a toddler that everything does not really revolve around you. You spend the first year or more that everything pretty much revolves around you. Just cry, and the world stops. And then, man, boy, we, thankfully we don't remember it because it would probably be one of the most tragic moments of our lives. But finally somebody has the audacity to say, no. What? Are you kidding me? I've gotten everything I've wanted for months and months and months, and now you're going to tell me No. We do this. We, we we have the same challenge in our walk with God because man, there's this, there's this phase. Well, this is wonderful. And then he says, "No." But hold on. But I believe you can do it. I have faith in what you can do. But I've got to learn to trust in who you are. Let, let me give you a, a modern <laughs> week ago, not even a week ago, well, barely a week ago. And let me give you an example. We, we went this past week, uh, most of you have heard at some point now, that Brother William Sisko been connected to this church in different ways since the 70s, passed away a couple of weeks ago, and the funeral was this week, and, and uh, so... Uh, my wife and I went along with my parents to Columbus, Ohio for the funeral. And what a, what a phenomenal job that was done honoring him. And so this, this is, this, this, I saw this post just a couple of days ago on Facebook. And this is, this is his granddaughter, one of his granddaughters. She is, I believe, about the same age as Elizabeth, I think. So 25 years old. Um, so... Uh, this, this is a 25-year-old saying this. And this was, I think, Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Please continue to pray for our baby. She's pregnant. Last Monday evening, we got the news that Papa Bishop Sisko, had unexpectedly gone home to be with Jesus. Less than 24 hours later, we went to a routine prenatal appointment when the doctor lowered her voice, began apologizing to us and explaining that our baby no longer had a heartbeat and most likely had an unexplained genetic issue that would make it impossible to survive. 
What should have been measuring at eight weeks was measuring at seven weeks and five days. She ran a few more tests and informed us that medically I was having a miscarriage. We declined intervention, scheduled a follow-up, and called our families. We prayed, interceded, asking God to perform a miracle with complete healing for our baby. That's faith. A week later on the day of the funeral, we returned to the OB office and were told, this was just this Wednesday, or Tuesday, sorry, we had, and were told there had been no change. Our family and church families have been praying and believing with us for a miracle, but we also understand the importance of moving from faith into trust. So although we continue to have faith for a miracle, we also trust God that if not, we will still trust His plan. We thank all of you for your love and prayers during this time. We know that God is in control and we will continue to serve, trust, and love Him whether He gives us a miracle or a rainbow. But if not, we know what He can do. We have absolute confidence in His power and ability. But if not, we're still going to worship. But if not, we're still going to trust. But if not, we're still going to believe. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. P.S. If you have congratulated or talked to me about the baby within the window I mentioned of the time frame we have been waiting for God to answer, please do not feel that I am offended. We didn't tell the public on purpose and you did, and you did not know what we were being told. I have felt that in every congrat, I have felt that in every congratulations on the baby, we were continuing to speak faith into the atmosphere. Thank you for your continued love and prayers for us and our baby. I'm just going to be plain and real with you right now. Not that I ever try to be anything different. But, but, but there, are, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are pregnant ladies out there today whose babies were conceived in sinful relationships. Not in the bonds of marriage where it's supposed to happen. And they've got babies that are in their womb healthy and eventually about to be born. Here is a, here is a godly young woman. Oh, I was sitting there during some of that singing going, why Lord, why? Why this again? I know what he can do. But if not, I trust Him. See, in the context of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saying, that that they were saying, even if the God we are trusting and believing in disappoints us, we're not going to settle for your God's. Why in the world people would walk away from God 
to go to other gods. Oh, we don't have other gods today. Preacher, we're not like that. Oh, yeah. Career, family, sports, pleasure. So you know what, God, if you don't do what I'm trusting and believing for you to do, let's just get it straight. There are no other gods. I may not like you right now. I may not be happy with you right now. But you're the only God. And so whether you do what I want you to do or not, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to put my confidence in you because you are love. So therefore, if you are love, anything you do has to be motivated by love. Turn. Turn your eyes. I think sometimes we sing that, and when we sing it, we're thinking, turn your eyes on Jesus, because He's big, He's powerful, He's awesome, He's strong, He has the power and ability to do it. And that's absolutely right, and we ought to sing it that way. But can I preach in the context of this morning, sometimes when you're going through what you're going through, and you're getting disappointed and disillusioned and upset, you need to turn your eyes on Jesus. But when you turn your eyes on Jesus this time... You need to see a face that had a beard plucked out of it. You need to see a back that was beaten to the point that it looked like a plowed field. You need to see hands that have got scars from nails that were driven through them. Sometimes that's what you need to turn your eyes on. got to tell you, whatever I've gone through in my life, every disappointment I've ever been through, it pales in comparison to him hanging on that old rugged cross, not deserving what he was going through. If you think Job was perfect and upright, he didn't have anything on the Messiah. How stupid of me to insult him at times. How could you let me go through this? I, I gotta I need to turn my eyes. I need to some I don't know who it may have been somebody here. I don't know who it was. Where I, I don't even remember and I didn't even really stop. I don't mean that unkind, but it just <laughs> somebody posted some couple of photos. Just in the last several days, I think I saw him on Facebook of, of renderings of what Jesus would have looked like. Of what his back would have looked like. I, I, I gotta, oh man. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody this morning. But whenever you get so caught up in what you're dealing with and how terrible things have been and how much God's let you down, you just need to go back to that old rugged cross for a few minutes and remember on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And there's a lot of things I've been through that, you know what, I really probably actually deserve them in some way or the other. But he didn't deserve it. He had to have trust. 
human side of him had to have trust. That not what they said to him as he was hanging on that cross. If you are. If you are who you say you are. Prove it. Let me tell you something. Hear me today. If you've not already done this, you need to make up your mind to not do it. Because I will tell you today, mark it down. If you ever box God in and tell Him what He specifically has to do to prove to you He's God, you might as well walk away now. Because the moment you do that, He's not going to do it. If you put the parameters on Him to say what He has to do to prove to you, you're, you're in trouble. Because he's not gonna, he, he's not gonna stoop down to fit your little box that you try to put him in. Job said, chapter 19, verse 25, I know after everything he'd been through, the loss, and now if you read the book of Job after chapters now of his friends uh, 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 criticizing him, apparently trying to help but not doing a very good job, he still says, I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold not another, though my reins be consumed within me. The New Living Translation says that last verse this way, I will see Him for myself. Yes, I will see Him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. I got a question today. If you're if you're overwhelmed today, what it is? What is it you're overwhelmed by? It's not necessarily wrong to be overwhelmed. It's just you need to make sure you're overwhelmed by the right things. Are you overwhelmed by the difficulties of life today? Are you overwhelmed by what's going on in your family? Are are you overwhelmed by what's going on in your body? Are you overwhelmed by what's going on in this world? Or are you overwhelmed by the thought? I'm going to see him. <laughs> and I may not get everything I want here and now this life, but I'm going to see him. And oh, when I see him. It was said several times throughout the funeral and referenced at the graveside, but, but uh, 20, I guess it's basically 20 years ago over in the building that collapsed, the gymatorium, we were having a youth meeting and Brother William Sisko was standing in the pulpit ministering to several hundred young people and in the course of standing in the pulpit ministering, he had a stroke. And he's had several strokes since then. He's been bedridden for a while now. And believing, believing. His, 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 one of his daughters told me at the, at the, at the pre, pre-service as we were paying respect, she said he, he's had two dreams in the last couple of years that he was going to walk again and believed it. It was referenced throughout the funeral. He's seen hundreds and hundreds of miracles in his lifetime. Brother Cisco was a man of great faith. He had seen all kinds of miracles. And yet, my dad and I had the privilege last, uh, last fall 
Uh, our general conference was Indian, in Indianapolis, and my dad and I drove over to Columbus and spent a couple of hours with Brother Cisco. He was bedridden at that point, and I think he had already been bedridden for a while and pretty much has been bedridden since then. What do you do when you've lived a life with faith and seen what God has done for others, and you lay there and he won't do it for you? I tell you what you're supposed to do. But if not, I know, God, you could touch me in one single moment. I, I don't want to come across insensitive at all, but I, I, I'm, I believe you've believed at times for God to completely. I believe you've believed. and I know there is no, I, I don't say this with hyperbole. I don't say this just to make a good point in this message. There is no doubt in my mind that God could reach down right now and touch your body. And in a split second, every single issue could be completely made whole. And you could stand up and walk out of that wheelchair and never need it again. I watched a couple of years ago when Brother Hurt first came preach faith. I, I watched people gather around and believe. But if not, but if not, you know what? You know what I believe today as your pastor? I believe with all of my heart you live with a but if not. The only way you can do what you do sometimes and roll this wheelchair around these aisles as other people are running, the only way you can do that is because down inside there's a but if not. The bottom line is, and I know this sounds kind of trite and whatever to us, but the bottom line is, two Monday nights ago, I believe it was, those dreams that Brother Cisco had came absolutely true. And if it never happens down here, I, I said this the other night to the young minister, to the minister, not young, to the ministerial training class, and it's just been, it's been going over. I said it a couple of weeks ago, teaching on Thursday night about finances and other stuff, but I, 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 it's just been weighing on me the last couple of weeks. If God's gonna reward me, and the Bible tells He, will, he rewards us, there's a difference between salvation and rewards. Brother Tony, if I'm going to get rewards from God, why would I want to get them all here and now when it's temporary? I, I, how sad it is. So many people finally, I, I wish I could remember the name of it. There was a boat downtown Annapolis several years ago that was such a perfect summary of this, and I can't remember the way it phrased it, but... but <laughs> I mean, when you're in your 20s and 30s, that's a great time to have a big old boat and ATVs and motorhomes and all that, right? You got the strength in the end. You ever see who usually's in those those big fancy? Hopefully Bishop's not watching. I'm not talking about him and his motorhome. It's not the people that have the strength and the energy to enjoy it. 
It's the people that have worked all of their lives to finally get it. Now you finally got it. And you've only, first of all, you only got a little bit of time to enjoy it, but you don't have the strength and energy to enjoy it. Why would you want God to give you all your blessings and rewards down here versus God storing them all up for an eternity where moth and rust doth not decay, where it's going to last forever. It's going to be eternal, unending joy. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And if he overcame the tribulation in this world, you and I can overcome. The psalmist said in Psalm 39 in verse 7, And now, Lord, now, Lord, what wait I for? I got all kind of problems and issues going on. I, I got all kind of difficulties in my life. But God, here's what I'm waiting on. I'm still waiting on you. My hope is in you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I got to tell you, you know what? You know how hypocritical it is for you to go to the booth every four years and vote for a new president if you're going to point your fingers at God? Because there's not one that's ever lived up to the, all the promises. I don't care what their party was. But you keep voting. You keep voting. You The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's never lost a battle, and he never will. And no, if you're waiting for the punchline of this message to be the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, not burned, not smelling like smoke, that's not the punchline today. Because we end up making that the punchline because that's somehow what we dangle out there to keep you going. There's a bunch of people that get thrown in the fire and get burned. Man, I want to be one of those faith positive preachers. I really do. Sometimes you get burned in the fire. Sometimes you don't come out. Not everybody spends the night in the lion's den and the lion's mouths get shut. Not everybody spends the night in jail and an angel shows up to walk them out of jail. Doesn't happen to everyone. Some get Killed, some die, some suffer. But if not, but if not, I know what you can do. I know who you are. I believe that you are the I am. I believe you are the one true living God. I believe that beside you there is no other God. I believe you're the healer. You're the deliverer. You're the problem solver. You're the way maker. I believe you're all of that. But if you don't do what you can do, 
not going to bow. I'm still not going to give up. I'm still not going to quit. I'm still not going to charge you foolishly. Bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. I, I, I feel like, and I realize this may not be for everybody, but I feel like there's somebody in this place right now that you need to have a but if not in your spirit today. And I'm asking you if you've got that and that's you to demonstrate it right now by getting up out of your seat and walking down to this altar and saying, God, I know who you are. I know what you can do. There's no doubt in my mind in your power and your ability. But if not... I know you don't want to do that because that means you might be giving up on something. I know you don't want to do that because some of you think that might be accepting disappointment. But at the cost of your soul, you would be much better off giving up on God giving you something and you being saved than you holding on to it and not trusting Him and becoming bitter. Oh... I, I, I don't apologize for what I'm preaching today. I know it's what God's given me. I, my, my humanity apologizes because it's not what I want to preach. It's, it's not what I enjoy preaching. But the Holy Ghost, I believe the Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody today. I believe the Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody today. Can you say today, like Job said, though he slay me, Yet, yet will I trust Him. God, if you give others raises and new jobs and new houses and I, I'm still at the same place, living in the same old house, driving the same old junky car, I'm still going to trust you. I know what you can do. I know what your power and your ability is. But if not, I know you can heal me. But if not, I know there's no problem in my body that you can't take care of with one simple touch from your hand. But if not, I know there's no problem in my life that's too big for you to fix. I know there's no difficulty that's too hard for you to change. But if not... But if not, I'm still going to worship you. But if not, I'm still going to trust you. But if not, I'm still going to hope in you. not just going to have faith in you, God. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to stop at faith, God. I'm going to beyond the trust. I'm not just going to live with faith. I'm going I'm to learn to trust. I'm going to learn to trust so I can reach that place that's unshakable.
you don't feel the need to pray for yourself right now, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? If you don't feel like you need to respond for yourself, would you, would you be sensitive to the Lord to use you to minister to somebody else? not going to box you in, God. I'm not going to put parameters on what you have to do to prove yourself to me. I'm going to trust you. 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 I'm not saying I'm going to like it. I'm not saying it's what I want, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I trust your character. I trust your nature. I trust your integrity. I don't just believe in what you can do. I trust in who you are. Just believe what you can do, God. I trust who you are. Jesus, my Savior, my friend. And I know that Jesus I trust you I trust you I trust you Jesus I trust you Jesus I may not understand it but I trust you it may not make sense to me but I'm still going to trust you I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep trusting. Jesus, precious 
Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, how I trust you, Lord. How I trust in you. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus, whenever you need to go, you're welcome to go. There are many who are still praying, so please be mindful of that. Thank you for being here this morning. Jesus.